Let's give the Lord that hand today. Aren't you thankful to be in his house? Come on, somebody. Give him a praise he's worthy of today. Come on, has he been good to you? If he's been good to you, you ought to identify it today with a praise that matches his goodness. I know we can't really do that, but we ought to give it an effort today. Lord, you've been good to me. You've been better than I deserve. I give you great praise in your house this morning. Amen. God is so good. While you're standing, quickly go to Genesis 18. I got a lot of notes here that I'm going to try to cover quickly. But uh, I rose early this morning. I get up every morning at 4 o'clock. I don't really know why. It happened about probably five years ago. And I used to uh, not understand those early morning prayer guys. But God did something in my life uh, about five years ago. And I've been getting up every morning about 4 o'clock. Sometimes even earlier than that. And just meeting with the Lord. And uh, this morning I got up with this service weighing on my spirit. And uh, God began to speak. And the way I do things, I just get my iPad out and I start typing what the Lord says. Uh, so I've got a lot that the Lord downloaded in my spirit today. So I'm going to preach fast and quick and try to say what he wants to say in this place. Because I believe the spirit of the Lord wants to do something great in this house for somebody. Amen. How many of you come with a need from the Lord today? Amen. Our God is able to supply that need. While you turn in Genesis 18, verse 11, give honor to Pastor, give honor to Brother Rory. I uh, appreciate these men of God, the leadership of this church. Amen. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not good for the youth pastor when the enemy starts fighting, but it's good for the church when the enemy fights the youth pastor. Amen. How many of you love your kids? How many of you want your kids to be blessed? Amen. Lift their leadership up in prayer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Our kids are most precious commodity that we have. Amen. God's going to fight that every inch he can. Amen. It wasn't, it wasn't surprising to me to hear those reports of how the enemy is fighting. Amen. Because there's something great in store. I believe that in Jesus' name. Genesis 18, verse 11 now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being all old also. She said, It's not just a problem with me. There's something wrong with him too. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord. We've been teaching about and preaching about and talking about miracles. Today I want to take that question and preach to you from this thought, the question God loves to answer. Question God loves to answer. One more time, lift your voice with me. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. I pray God today you'd anoint the lips of clay. I pray God today that you would 
Work, God, the work that you want to do in this house, God, that you would anoint this word, God, that you would send it forth to bless your people, God, today, to show us your might and your power and your strength in this house. Lord, you spoke some things to me today in prayer, and I believe today, God, you're going to do it. Before we leave this house, we give you thanks for your word, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. Everybody said amen. You may be seated this morning. The currency of the New Testament church is faith. Nothing moves the heart of God more than faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 preaches its necessity to us when it said, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because before you can even come to him, you must first believe that he is. And I'm convinced today that the reason most never get anywhere in him is because they know too little of him. See, I can walk into this church today and I can preach faith this morning, not because I'm a know-it-all and not because I'm arrogant today, but because I simply know who He is. Let me preach to you just a while before I tackle my text this morning. We're in a fight today. We're in a fight in this hour and in this generation and it's more than over just our preferences and our style of church and how we like to have church and worship and it's over more than our personalities and our proclivities but the fight today is to get beyond the rhetoric of this world past the religious idolatry and back to a place where when we preach Jesus the atmosphere in the building changes Come on, something ought to happen in an apostolic church with people filled with His Spirit. When we mention that name, something ought to move on the inside of us. I'm talking about when we preach His name, that even seasoned and career Pentecostals rise out of their seat and they offer praise unto Him. I'm talking about when we declare His name, faith is stirred within us because we know Him. When we speak His name, every devil within a million miles of this place ought to run and find somewhere to hide because somebody that knows Him has begun to call upon the name that is greater than any other. Come on, somebody. I still believe today in the power of the name of Jesus. I still believe today that Jesus can heal the sick. I still believe today that he can raise the dead, that he can unstop the deafened ears and open the blinded eyes. I still believe in an hour where miracles are possible if my faith can receive it today. 
I still believe in a Jesus that can take a person wrecked by sin, clean them up, turn them around, and bring honor to a life where there was only once dishonor. I still believe Jesus is our answer. He's our hope, and he's our salvation today. Oh, Master, help our faith today in this place. We live in a religious world today that has perverted faith. Sadly, their philosophies are spilling over into the church. And because of it, we struggle in our faith. Because we have the wrong definition of what faith truly is. Listen to the word today. Hebrews 11 and 1 said, Now faith. It's always current. When it speaks of faith, it is always talking about what is spoken in the very moment. Because the definition of faith, at least scripturally, comes at the point of use. Now faith. Why is that? Because chapter 10, if you would have read it, closed with men that were drawing back. Men that were going back into sinful practices and into evil lifestyles. And the writer was making it clear, faith doesn't have a reverse gear. Faith doesn't go backwards. In fact, the scripture teaches that we are to move from glory unto glory and from faith unto faith. When you talk about faith from the Word of God, it's always progressing and it's never retreating. There's no retreat in people of faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance there means confidence. Evidence means conviction. Faith is this. It's confidence that he can, and it's conviction until he does. I've got faith today that my God can do what he's promised, and I'm going to stand confident and convicted by that word until he does it. And we are fighting today for those truths. We are fighting for what was once fundamental. What was once celebrated and even identified us. It's being sold out in a religious world today. Come on, churches today are more of a conscience-soothing, ear-tickling experience that goes through the motions yet denies his name. Come on, somebody. They have a form, but they have no substance. They have no power. Come on, somebody. You know what a form is? It's structure without substance. I don't ever want to come into the house of God and everything be structured and everything be put together, but there be no substance flowing. There be no power moving. I don't care how well you can perform. I want to hear the word of God preach to me. 
And most of religion today, Jesus is not the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Come on, somebody. This is a oneness church, right? Uh, he isn't the one true living God. He isn't the Alpha and the Omega. He isn't the one who is and was and is uh, to come. He's not God manifest in the flesh uh, or the name by which we obtain uh, salvation. But for many today, he's just another in a long list that you can choose from, from the spiritual menu to get you where you're going. Uh, but I'm telling you, I don't care how many they have gathered to listen to that. I want to know, is Jesus being magnified and glorified in the house? I preach today without apology. I know him. You've come too late to try to discredit him to me. My sweet grandmother that raised that sweet mother that taught her how to cook used to stand and testify every service. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. The Rundles are back there. They can tell you they heard her a million times. And I used to lay under a pew as a kid pushing trucks around thinking, Grandma, everybody in this house knows who Jesus is. But one day when I went to an altar... And I had an encounter with his presence. I understood what Mamma was talking about. She wasn't talking about something she heard. She wasn't talking about something she read. But she had had an encounter with him that left her forever marked by his presence. We need an encounter this morning that will change our lives. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't want to just know what the pastor preaches. I don't want to just know what my parents taught me. I want to experience him for myself. I want to encounter him for myself today. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was really declaring Look at the context of the letter when you have time. He was writing to believers that were struggling. That were struggling. Oh, there's so much going on in this world. Everybody you meet, they could... They could take all day talking to you about troubles and problems and situations. We got believers, believers who are struggling today. And in this text, they were under persecution and they were under pressure and they were wondering, wouldn't it just be easier? To give up on this Jesus name message. That's what they were doing in Hebrews. That's what brought about this discourse. That's what brought about this text. Maybe we should just go back to the law, they said. Maybe we should just forget it. This thing isn't worth all of this. And the whole letter was written to encourage their faith. Because without faith, we not only will not please God, but the further revelation is we won't even know him. I've come today to try to say to this church, we may be under pressure. The adversary may be trying to, to, to get us to change. He may be frowning upon our stance. We may not follow all the modern day religious culture, but we have a revelation today, thank God for it, of who Jesus is. And that revelation today is greater than the pressure. It's greater than the persecution. It's greater than the pull to throw in the towel and give up. Why are you preaching like this? 
this today. I'm trying to stir some faith up in this house because I believe God wants to do some great things among us. In our text this morning, Abraham and Sarah have been given a promise by God that they would give birth to a son. God had spoken something to them that they deeply desired. They had such dreams. They had plans. They had expectations. They could already see themselves in the role of parents. Sarah tucking the baby in at night, telling him bedtime stories. Abraham teaching him the family business, spending his days pouring into his own flesh and blood. They were excited. No doubt they had thought when the word was given that they needed to make preparations because they just knew they were about to become parents. But then something unexpected. Their promise didn't arrive like they thought it was. And the years began to tick away. And I can't help but think today that even the faith of Abraham, the father of faith, the father of the faithful was being stretched. And poor Sarah, she had almost completely given up hope. Come on now, somebody. She knew where she was in life. She knew what childbearing was all about. She knew how all of that worked. And all these things began to work on them. And it began to torment them. And it even began to taunt them. I'm not saying they didn't believe. I'm just saying this morning they were struggling just a little bit. Anybody ever been there? Anybody have the courage to admit that you've heard from God? You've gotten a word from God? God has spoken something to you, yet it seems like everything but what God has said starts happening and your faith starts to struggle. Come on now. Uh, you got to see, most never make it to the promise because they can't survive the process of faith. Brother Rory referenced it last Wednesday night. He talked about the law of faith. See, it wouldn't be faith if when the word was given, everything just dropped in on you right then and there. Faith isn't measured by what you receive. Faith is often measured by what you survive. Faith says, I don't have it yet, but I'm not worried because I got a word. And the word is all I need. Faith stands when the evidence proves you ought to just give up. And here are Sarah and Abraham. They're stretched and they're weary. And they stayed faithful unto God. And finally they get a group of visitors. And it's a heavenly visitation. Now, i got to preach faster than this so we can get home today. But aren't you thankful for a God that's faithful? Aren't you thankful for a God that will visit you, that will stop by just in the nick of time, just when you start to begin to allow yourself to feel forsaken, just when you feel like you're alone in the struggle and God don't care and God's forgotten me and God's left me out here with nothing. Oh, he'll just walk in and he'll remind you, hey, my word is yea and it is amen. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I've had to fight my own battle to get through my own doubt before that what Jesus said and what God promised, it's going to happen if I don't throw in the towel too quick. So here comes this visitation. 
They've come to declare that the wait is over. They've come to let them know that the favor of God is about to bring to pass this long-awaited promise. And I can just hear them tonight as they begin to encourage old patriarch Abraham. Abraham, I know you've been waiting. It was 24 years, the timeline tells us, when the Lord first visited him and told him he was going to give him a son. And all these years later, he's still sitting there and he's still waiting and he's still working and he's still being faithful and he's still holding on to God. See, you got to understand the plan of God is always governed by a process and it's through the process of faith that God brings the promise or the plan to pass. You've got to learn how to withstand the process. Come on. Some people never get there because they give up too early. It's like baking a cake. You know what the ingredients are. So you put them all in the bowl and you mix them all up and you put them in the oven and you close the door and you wait because if you keep opening the door and you keep looking in, you're not going to get a cake. You're going to get something flat and something hard. But if you want the cake, you got to do the ingredients and you got to trust the process. Come on, somebody. I want to put it in the oven of God and let him cook it today until it's ready for me to take possession. And God knew this. He knows us. Friends, I'm telling you, God knows us. He knows us today. He created us. And he gave Abraham the encouragement before they ever even got to this place. Because all the way back at the beginning, when he began to talk to him in Genesis 15, God gave these words to Abram. He said, Fear not, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And you see, that's the problem with modern day religion. We love the reward part. Oh yeah, jackpot. Give me Jesus. Let me back the truck up so I can carry all of my blessings out. And we like to shout about the about the reward part. And we get so caught up in what he's going to do, we forget what he said. The word to Abraham wasn't just, hey, man, go build a nursery. Hey, man, go set another table. No, he said, fear not. He said, for I am thy shield. What was that there for? Because when doubt and fear and naysayers and bitterness and offense and all the things that try to come and steal the word, Abraham, when old age and promise, all those things say it's dead. I want you to know I'm your provider. And when life and circumstance and all these things say it's hopeless, I want you to know I'm your hope. 
And I've come to tell you today, you've been given a complete word. And God isn't only going to give you what he said, but with that same word, he's going to make sure you survive until it comes to pass. I love that song that we sing, God is fighting for me. God is on my side. He will overcome. Yes, he will overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved because Jesus, you are here. I will live and not die because the resurrection power of Christ is alive in me. Come on, somebody needs to tell the devil today, I will live. I will not die. I've got a promise and a word. I've got destiny on me. Come on, your faith needs to tell the devil. You can fight me all you want. You can try to destroy me. You can bring every attack you can think of. But I won't fear. I won't back down. And I won't lose out. Because God isn't only my reward today. He's my protector on the way to it. Come on, somebody. This is not the hour to quit. This is not the hour to throw in the towel. Thank you, Pastor, for preaching to us about the season and the times that we're in. This is not the hour for the church to lay down in defeat. Though you may not have all of your promises yet, let me remind you today, you got all the help you needed the moment he gave you the word of what's coming. God told Abram, I'll be, I'll be your shield. Fear not before I'm your reward. Why did he get the shield first? Because the only thing that could steal his promise was fear. And I've come today to declare that same word in this house. God has equipped you to possess your promise and everything you need today to lay hold on what God has spoken to you is in that same word. All you've got to do is trust Him and God will bring it to pass. I love the word of God. I love how He hides these nuggets and he hides this instruction of insight in his plan. I love how he uses his own word to encourage us because even the Bible takes a few lines to set this up. Abraham has been waiting. Sarah has been waiting and finally the time has come and the word gets specific and reinforced. Verse 10, and he said I will surely return unto thee according to the time of life. Somebody say nine months. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. Now this thing just got real. No more vague timeline. No more wondering, God, where is this at? No more wondering where is the promise. In nine months, you're going to have a child. And at that moment, we find Sarah laughing in our text this morning. Okay, God, I've been waiting on this thing. Okay, God, I've been hearing about this promise. I've heard it over and over again. 24 years I've been waiting on this word that you gave my husband. But instead of killing her over her doubt, God keeps his word. Now, this is not the reaction of an Old Testament God. Kind of out of his character at this point in the story. 
He should have zapped her right there. And see, some of y'all still think that's how the Lord works. He's waiting up there with a billy club, just waiting on you to mess up so he can knock you in the head. That is the furthest thing from our God. He should have executed judgment on her right then and there. But I believe the Bible gives us some insight into why Sarah wasn't rejected for laughing at God. Verse 11 tells us, now Abraham and Sarah were old. Sarah's body was past the age of childbearing. It's okay to laugh when it takes a miracle. She's just too old. It can't happen. It's not possible. So she laughed. But here's what I feel like the Lord showed me about this situation. Her laugh was an expression of fear. It was a momentary reaction that contradicted her whole life of proven action. Oh, see, fear caused a reaction that tried to challenge God's original promise that he wasn't able to deliver on his word. And God knew if I don't prove myself mightier than her fear, I'm not truly worthy of her faith. You see, God's a lot more merciful than we give him credit for, even in the Old Testament. And instead of judging Sarah as a failure for a display of fear, God reminded her of who she was laughing at with one question. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? Sarah, I'm going to overlook that little laugh. Sarah, I'm not going to zap you right now. Sarah, I'm not going to strike you down with leprosy like they're going to read about me doing all throughout this Old Testament before we get to the New. Oh, I'm just going to give you a question that I want you to take with you for the rest of your journey with me. Is there anything too hard for God? It was a straightforward question, but it was strategic in the moment because it was a question that ran right to the heart of the matter. Sarah, has your experience with me produced a faith that can stand up against your fear? And I believe Sarah had to remember, and I began, believe she began to remember the things God had brought her and Abraham through. I believe she immediately, in her spirit, surveyed all that God had done for her to get her to that moment. And within her spirit, without speaking a word, I believe she answered the question. I believe before she could even form a word, God discerned her heart and in that very moment her faith and that word became a shield against the fear that had come to destroy her because without even taking a breath God turned around and said in nine months I'm coming back and you shall have a baby boy come on somebody I've come today to ask you is there anything too hard for God in this place come on I'm preaching to this church we were made for this moment right now we were fashioned for this exact hour we were created for this very time in the plan of God and God needs a people who understand there is nothing out of his power there is nothing out of his reach I don't care how long you've waited if you can trust him today God will bring it to pass
James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. He's saying if you can trust God enough to stand up to the enemy, he's going to flee. He's going to get lost. Man, how simple that is today. Oh, how awesome and how profound. Just trust God and stand up and the enemy will quit. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you today the word of God does not lie. So why is this so hard? Because we've let the enemy trick us into focusing on our fear and we forfeited our faith. And when you get fear focused and not faith focused, you start measuring yourself against the enemy instead of measuring the enemy against God. See, that's what happened with the children of Israel. They had a promise. God had spoken that they would possess the land of Canaan. He had told them that it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. It was their paradise. It was their reward. It was their promise. But when they got there, they saw all these big giants. And they measured themselves too small to possess it. Because when you get focused on the fight alone, Fear is always going to stand up against your faith. And you will have to answer the question posed way back at the beginning to Sarah. Is anything too hard for God? Here it is this morning. Why did the word come to pass in Sarah's life? In a time where judgment was immediately executed. In a time where God normally would have withdrawn himself in the instant. Sarah realized, this isn't my problem. And she and Abraham released New Testament mercy and received a New Testament miracle in the middle of the Old Testament because they were rich in New Testament currency. Her faith was greater than her fear. And I'm preaching to you this morning the word God has given you. I feel this today. The word God has spoken to you, the prophecies, the promises are greater than your limitations. I wish some might get it today. They're greater than your inadequacies. They're greater than what you don't understand or realize or know at this moment. Come on, somebody. Can't you recognize the plan of the enemy today? Trying to get you weary, warring and fighting within your own strength. He's trying to get you to fight on his his terms. He's trying to get you to react within your own flesh. Why? Because he knows if he can provoke you to respond within your own strength, he's got you today. I've come to expose the enemy this morning to shine a light on his plan, remind somebody the promise of God always comes with the provision of God. And if God's made you a promise, he's already given the provision to bring it to pass. But he's looking for someone that can link up with him in their faith. Someone that can withstand the adversary. Somebody today that can weather through the storm and hold on when it all looks lost. Paul said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I love the phrasing here. I love the truth tucked away in the way it's written. I teach English. E-T-H is the suffix of continuation. Paul was teaching us that Christ is not only strength alone, but he is continuing 
strength. He won't just be strong enough the first time and not the next, but he's always able. In all things, therefore, I can do all things, not in my strength, not on my own, but through Christ. See, some of you need to get that scripture. I know we probably all learned it in Sunday school, but you need to start encouraging yourself with that word of God. I can, I can, I can. You need to speak that today till you believe it. You need to speak that today till it runs fear out of your house, till it runs fear out of your mind, till it runs fear out of your spirit. I can, I can, I can. Why? Because I'm doing it through Christ and his strength has been made perfect in my weakness. You go ahead and judge me, but I know I can do it through him today. See, you got to get it. Through Christ today, you're strong. Through Christ today, you're equipped. Through Christ today, you're strengthened and you're able. That's why he went on and said we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. You can read it, Romans 8, 35 through 39 when you get home. See, the enemy looks in on its place today and he sees us all as a bunch of sheep ready to go to the slaughterhouse. Weak, powerless, no hope, no strength. But through Christ. We can obtain a persuasion today. And see, that's what Abraham had. He was persuaded that God would honor his word. And he held on to that persuasion when everything else said, let go. And because of it, they could testify that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, heights, depths, any other creature shall be able to separate me. From the love of God. So I get ready to close today by asking you this. What is the enemy telling you is dead today? What is he saying God can't do in your life today? What is the enemy declaring over your life today? And I challenge you with a question God loves to answer. Is there anything too hard? For God. Sarah didn't ask this question. Abraham didn't ask this question. God asked the question. Abraham and Sarah were the ones facing the impossible. Abraham and Sarah were the ones who weren't quite sure in the moment. They had been stretched. They had been struggling. They had been suffering through all of this season of waiting. They were the ones that the evidence was mocking, saying God's word is not going to come to pass for you. God sent a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, you've got to understand what kind of question it was. It was a rhetorical question. He never asked the question seeking an answer. He asked the question to set them up.
to give an answer. See, a rhetorical question is a question that has an obvious answer. The poser of the question already knows what the answer is before they even ask. When you use a rhetorical question, what you are doing is you are setting yourself up to teach somebody a lesson through the very question that you know is pulsing in their spirit. Can you do it, God? God comes along and says, is there anything? Because a rhetorical question asks to make a point or to persuade or to produce an effect because trouble and fear and impossibilities are often the ways God likes to remind us just how great and how sovereign He is. I think Brother Rory said it Wednesday night. It wouldn't be a miracle if it happened all the time. It wouldn't be special if it was always going on. What makes it a miracle is the fact that God chose that specific moment to step in and show His glory. And I believe today as we rise to our feet that God has walked into this place this morning. And I believe He's come here to prove a point in this place to persuade, to answer His own question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I believe today if somewhere in the midst of all the laughing, in the midst of all the ridicule, in the midst of everything that the enemy in this world and the situations of life would try to tell you, I believe today if you can respond in faith and step out of fear that God's ready to speak an addendum onto some old promises. God's ready to equip you with what you need to step into his complete will for your life. So I'm going to open the altars a little differently today. And I know I normally preach a whole lot faster than this. But I'm asking you today this question. What is your anything this morning? Is there anything too hard for God? What are you waiting on today? What has God said to you? What has God promised to you? Is there anything too hard for God? What can you place in the place of anything today? Is your lost family member too far from God? Is that sickness too hard for God? Is that addiction too hard for God? Is that depression too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? I wonder today if you would replace that thing that you're fighting, that you're struggling in anything. And I wonder if you'd have the strength and the faith to step out today and bring it to God and let God answer the question that he loves to answer. God loves to show himself strong. God loves to prove himself mighty to those that will believe him. Do you have faith today to stick your situation over the anything and bring it to God and say, is this too hard for you today? Come on, you can walk out of this place today no longer struggling, no longer fighting, no longer battling. Come on, some of you want to lay it down. 
Some of you fought with it for so long. Why don't you bring it to God today and ask him the question he loves to answer. I promise you today he'll meet you at this altar. I promise you today he'll meet you at this place before you leave. You can walk out healed. You can walk out whole. You can walk out delivered today. You can walk out set free today if you'll just let him answer the question he loves to answer in this place today.